Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What would happen if your church played this video of the World Economic Forum spokesperson and advisor, Professor Yuval Noah Harari, instead of their usual introduction? But control of data might enable human elites to do something even more radical than just build digital dictatorships. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. And then tack on a film clip of President Joe Biden's recent comment mentioning a new world order. You think that would wake the church up from sliding into darkness? In fact, what could? If you haven't not noticed, things seem to be going haywire. And you got to ask yourself, where in the heck is the church today? Where is the church? I do not know where the church is. A lot of churches are asleep. A lot of them are going woke. You know that. Well, the question comes is, will the church stand up or join in the plunge into darkness? Let me tell you about the state of the world. There's a push for authoritarianism, control. A one world, world order is the right word for it. Uh, the World Economic Forum and Dr. Evil are pushing for this. So the authoritarian power grab, taking of people's money seems okay. They want a one world order and every one of their lackeys always tout build back better. Just think about that. So let me talk about what's going on, and, and if the church would have been taking care of explaining and reasoning things and standing up and, and, and men in the church being men in the church and women in the church being women of the church and stop being pansies, man, this stuff would not be happening. You would not have, uh, you wouldn't see this authoritarian push. It would be held in check because the church would be united, not fragmented. Seven parts of the body of Christ, seven groups of people. Remember, there are seven spirits of God, so you have seven churches to reflect the seven spirits of God, and the five don't. They're fragmented. They're divided. They're not uni unified. They're not producing wholeness and soundness. They're not doing those things. So those groups are, are well, what can I say, lost. They're doing their own thing. And so the evil comes in through this infiltration in order to push for a one world order. And here's something for you. This would never have happened if the church would make a stand as well. There's a new report by Freedom House that found that gold global, get this, global freedom declined for the 16th consecutive year in, in the year 2021. And the world has become less democratic and more authoritarian. 
16 years of a slow decline into authoritarianism, which lines up with the Bible, which lines up with the New World Order, lines up with the Antichrist coming about, and the foundation that somebody is going to lay in, in the, for this to happen. Jesus said concerning the last days that when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? Will he find faith on earth? Or will he find the church plunging into darkness? And many in the church are. Five out of seven in the book of Revelation are doing that. So with that, we're going to go into the church of Pergamum, seen in Revelation chapter 2.12. The word Pergamum means lofty height, a lofty place, or a high lofty citadel or fortress. All names that are used and are definition in the Bible that are used have meaning. It helps explain the text. Okay? I wish people could understand that. So with that, let's look up here. I'm going to look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 12 through 13 out of the New King James with the word meanings applied here. And to the messenger, angel of the church in Pergamos, which means a high lofty place, a high lofty citadel, right? These things says you as a sharp two-edged sword. I'll stop right there. A two-edged sword cuts asunder and divides the heart and thoughts and the intents of the heart. Remember? Just think of that. It says, I know your works and where you dwell where Satan's throne is and that you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even in the days with Antipas, which means like the father or who is against the haughty or the high ones, was my faithful martyr, martyr who was killed among you where Satan, the adversary, dwells. In Pergamum, there was a high lofty hill with the Temple of Zeus in there. The Temple of Zeus was actually moved to a Berlin museum. It's still in existence. It's still there. They moved it. But Pergamum means a high lofty place. In the days of Antipas was a faithful martyr who it means like the father who is against the haughty. That Something that Antipas did brought down the high and lofty on the mountain. He gave his life. Listen to what Jesus said for a sec second. Jesus says, no greater love than one has than to lay down his life for his friends. He said that in John chapter 15. Pergamum means height, lofty place, a high, lofty citadel. The, the, the love this man shown brought down the high, lofty place where Satan dwelled and the church was established there. Again, those that love the Lord with all their being will bring down the high, lofty-minded ones, will crash their fortresses and citadels of pride down because they love their lives not unto death. They're willing to die for Christ. And Antipas, like it says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 13, I know your works where you dwell is where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even the days which Antipas who, like the fathers against the haughty, was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where the adversary dwells. Here, what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you right now. By, but by the time of the end, notice what happens to this type of church that once brought down the high, lofty-minded one. Just think for a second. Think of the type of love that they've forgotten about. Or they exchange this type of love, laying down one's life for Christ, and exchange it for something else. They exchange it for another high, lofty positions in the church world. They made their own fortresses. We love God loves us because look, He let us dwell in the high, lofty places. 
How do I know? Verse 13 mentions where Satan's throne was. Let me explain what Satan's throne means. That area there was known as Demon Central, as I call it. It, it had about every ancient pagan deity was represented there, all under Zeus. Next to Zeus would, would, would the equivalent of Diana or Ishtar. Okay? And you have all the other ones out there, Hephaestus and a bunch of others out there in Pergamum. And so you have this thing in, in church where the high lofty ones come back and infiltrate the church and bring their doctrines and dogmas and pervert the church. Okay? I want you to think real hard because this is where Satan's throne is. So in the last days, in this type of group of church members and these people that hang out here, they have become deceived and become high-minded. I want to bring Alice Bailey up. He lays out the infiltration that was designed to replace the love of the Lord with all thy strength and being with another type of love that replaces it with being high-minded and lofty. And I want you to look at this. It says, Theologies will disappear into the knowledge of God. Doctrines and dogmas will no longer be regarded as necessary, for faith will be based on experience, and authority will give place to personal appreciation of reality. The power of the church over the group will be supplanted by the power of the awakened soul in men, the age of miracles, and dis disputations or arguments as to the why and how of those miracles, with a consequent skepticism and agnosticism, will give away to the understanding of the laws of nature which control the superhuman realm and the supernatural stage of the evolutionary process. Let me kind of break this down for you in, in, in what it means, folks. She was channeling here a plan to infiltrate the church. After this, the church became stodgy and legalistic, there would be a rebellion in the church and, and so her idea was to establish a universal love of humanity it was a perversion of god's love and to replace it with the love of the divine self i'll talk about that because in the next two paragraphs i'm going to read from alice bailey mentions this but let me break this down theologies will disappear into the knowledge of god in other words doctrines that we long established, like why Jesus' uh, death on the cross will disappear into the knowledge of God. Doctrines and dogma will no longer will, will be regarded as necessary, for faith will be based on experience, and authority will give place to personal appreciation of reality. What does that mean? That means that faith will now be in experience. And what type of experience? Okay, in the next paragraph. The power of the church over the group will be supplanted by the power of the awakened soul in men, the age of miracles. So it will be based on experience, an age of miracles, an age of signs and wonders. We're high, lofty ones. Do you get it? We're high, lofty ones. We're God's favorite church. We're the cutting-edge church, folks, where signs, wonders, and miracles happen every single day. Listen to me. An awakened soul, the age of miracles and the disputation are arguments, that's what the word means, as to the why and how of those miracles. In other words, there's going to be an argument and debate. The miracles, signs and wonder. It is a forceful, haughty-minded about these signs, new age signs and wonders, not real miracles of God, but new age signs and wonders. I'll talk about that in a minute. 
Keep tracking with me. Those miracles and the consequent skepticism will give way to the understanding of the laws of nature which control the superhuman realm and the supernatural stage of the evolutionary process. In other words, you're going to have a group of people that are all about taking the laws of nature and, and manipulating them and with godlike power, high lofty citadel, high lofty ones coming under the control of the, the throne of Satan thinking they are loving God in the process. They're being bamboozled and deceived. The hallmark of the end of days, my friends, is this, is deception. And I want to say this. There are a lot of great teachers out there and well-meaning individuals who got caught up in the Church of Pergamum-type philosophy and ideology. They were deceived. They have a chance to repent and turn away from it because nobody's ever tried to show them what this is. Nobody ever bothered to even teach about Alice Bailey in the occult world, what it looks like, how it infiltrated the church in the church anymore. I remember back in the 80s, I remember sermons and messages, Pothoria on sin and death and, and how the occult world's operating, the Kabbalah, how it's infiltrated, so forth, etc. Not anymore. Okay? Are you seeing what I'm seeing? And so, so people get deceived. And so you've got a well-meaning people who have fallen into the camp of Pergamum. Then you have some Ephesus-type people who are labeling everybody who is deceived, not realizing they have a chance to repent, labeling as a heretic that after their first love, there's no mercy, let's murder them, they're heretics, kill them all. So you have that group of people. You have the yin and yang fighting in the church. In the soul of the church. And so I want you to think real hard and heavy what I'm saying. I'm not going to be bothering naming names or anything like that. Because they're out there. Churches that teach about grave soaking. Are, are all this stuff that, that was popular not too long ago. It's the world. I'm going to get people really mad at me. But I want, you, I want to challenge you. I want you to look up William Branham. And do some honest research. William Branham said that his favorite people are the Masons. William Branham is buried under a pyramid, the pyramid, and a eagle on top. It used to be a, I think, a golden type eagle, but they changed it to a, a more of a brass e eagle. The spirit of Anton, the sun god, who will rise. In, in other words. He was a false teacher. He was a false miracle worker. And people laud him as a great person of the church. And people go to his grave and lay on his uh, pyramid and soak up his anointing. How cult is that? It's called necromancy. The man, yeah, he did signs and what I saw. I seen what he did. I seen the videos. And I, I watched a video of him. And something came out of the TV, knocked me flat on this couch, and I rebuked it and went right back into the TV. I'm not kidding you not. It didn't lay me light on the, right on the couch. It hit me on the left side, knocked me to my right side, right on the couch. I almost fell off the couch. That's how hard it hit. Encountered that spirit before. Um, and it's a nasty one. It ain't of God. That was his angel that did the healing. The Holy Spirit does the healing. The Bible tells that the Holy Spirit gives gifts of healing. Okay. I want you to think, really think hard about that. 
So you have people like this that crept into the church who follow the Alice Bailey template of infiltrating the church through the Masons. Don't believe me? Do your own research. And so the church of Pergamum is captivated by signs, wonders, and miracles and being haughty about it. They're the cutting-edge people, and, and, and they're on the precipices of doing great signs and wonders. And everybody will run to the church because of the signs and wonders that they do. Aren't they hot to trot? Let's continue with Alice Bailey's Treaty on White Magic here, page 152. After this, men will enter into his divine heritage and know himself as the son of the father. With all the divine characteristics, powers, and capacities which are his because of his divine endowment. But in the meantime, what have we? Okay, stop right there. Let me look at that paragraph. Man will enter into his divine inheritance, know himself as the son of the father, and the divine characteristics, powers, and capacities, which are his because of his divine endowment. How many of you are in churches where they teach this stuff? I'm telling you, the people who are teaching it are probably innocent. They probably don't even know they're teaching claptrap. They need to repent. They need to just honestly take some time and, and, and repent, which would, would mean that they have to come out and admit that they have taught Alice Bailey stuff in the church. Many people are hurt and devastated by this, and nobody takes the time in a nice, kind way to point this out to them to, to show that, you know, you can repent, you know, this is not it. I'm going to talk about real signs and wonders in a minute. But this is a perversion of the scriptures. Alice Bailey channeled a spirit that taught how to twist the scriptures and then bring in doctrines of demons into the church. Let's continue with. But what but in the meantime, what have we? A breaking away from the old established tradition, a revolt from authority, the heather of the church of dogma, doctrine, or theology, a tendency towards self-determination and overthrowing of the old standards and old barriers of thought and the divisions of existing between races and faith. Well, Alice Bailey sounds really great, doesn't it? Yeah, it just sounds so wonderful. Existing racial barriers and all that. You see how dragons speak, speak, you know? These replaced, do you see this grandiose replacement of a, a grandiose sense of self in what's, what's being said here? Let me bring this up so you can read it here. I want you to read it, you know, with a grandiose sense of self. That's what they're talking about. Uh... In other words, you will become a little God, a sense of the divine. Look at that. Break away from the old established tradition, revolt from authority, the heather of the church, revolt from all this stuff towards self-determination, no overthrowing of the old standard, the old system. This is the yin and yang being talked about. And the old barriers of thought and divisions existing between races and faith. If you understand anything about the left, if you understand what is going on here about any of this stuff, it is always about race. It is always about this high-minded, lofty view. You know, we got to destroy this and that. Well, yeah, the church was in the process of destroying racism. It brought slavery to the end in the, in the American Civil War through the abolitionist movement. Charles Finney was paramount in that. And a lot of his people in the Second Great Amer uh, Awakening were paramount in establishing the mindset and the tenacity in order to get rid of the evils of slavery. But the Democratic Party kept that in until the 1960s with their um, 
separate but equal junk and kept racism alive and they're still keeping racism alive because they need it in order to overthrow all barriers and systems in order to bring all churches and religions into a interfaith universal type of religion remember in dubai they're building an interfaith uh, area where all the monotheistic religions will be centered and they have another place for all the other hindus and all the other religions where everybody will, will everybody's religion will blend together into this peaceful utopic world basically the church now becomes part of the state the state will dictate to the universal church to put the mindset into the people and how they should act that means it's going to be replaced all doctrines and theology and the word of god itself is going to be replaced with a little god mentality the divine with the divine like powers in other words you will be divine with divine like powers use the laws of the spiritual realm to get what you want in, in the natural all justified by thinking doing these things proves one loves the divine within you yourself because god loves you and that's okay that's kind of the claptrap that's being said here nobody challenges it nobody points it out to pergamum please pergamum if you're in this groups of people please wake up if you're a minister teaching this stuff reassess this thing kindly look over and try to prove what i say is wrong what Alice Bailey was infiltrating into the church and channeling how to do this, and, 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 and actually in 1925 said in 50 years this will come about. It did in 1975, along with another, some other doctrines which I'll talk about when we get to Thyatira. And so people, Satan's throne has come back into the Church of Pergamum. And the language that Alice Bailey uses by breaking away from the old established tradition, a revolt from authority, the heather of the church of dogma, doctrine, or theology. And that is why we see so little true Bible teaching. All we see is cherry picking of Bible verses, exactly what Alice Bailey did, H.P. Lasky did, theosophists and occultists have done for centuries. A revolt from doctrine and dogmas will no longer be regarded as necessary for faith will be based on experience and authority will give place to personal appreciation of reality theologies will disappear into the knowledge of god the power of the church over the group will be supplanted by the power of the awakened soul in men this will be brought about by the new age of miracles that gives the understanding to the laws of nature which control the superhuman realm and the supernatural that silences all arguments that gets rid of all dogmas we got signs and wonders we're doing this Woo. You listen to us. We're the high lofty ones. We are it in the church. We're the antipasses who love the Father, who will die as a martyr, bringing down this crap. Where are they in Pergamum? And John 15 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I loved you. No greater love as one has in this than to lay down his life for his friends. Antipas was the Lord God's faithful martyr who brought down the haughty. And Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 26, And I have declared to them your name, your character, and I will declare it, Father, that the love which you love me may be in them and I in them. How much plainer can you get that? 
Folks, the church at Pergamum misuses the love of God to gain things, uses rituals and formulas, secret messages, secret meetings, secret things in order to achieve personal gain. You're taking advantage of God's love. Look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 14. But I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. So let me break that down, and we'll go into verse 15 in a minute. So let me just break this down here for you for a second here so you understand what that means. So let's look at one, each one of these things real quickly. Those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, what does that mean? Balaam was a uh, prophet. Some people say he was a Yabbas prophet who erred. Uh, you know, he he was a prophet, okay? And he um, was hired by this King Balak to curse Israel and order Israel to be cursed and that God would destroy Israel. But God restrained the prophet in his madness. And then Balaam actually had to speak the words of God and bless the children of Israel instead. And so Balaam gave a phenomenal prophecy. This tells me that God can use false prophets to actually communicate truths and actually can also do miracles and that can actually heal people and bless God's people as well. Balaam is a prime example of that. However, Balaam taught Balak, King Balak, how to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. So what did he do? goes on and and explains this in the Bible and also in the history of Josephus and other sources. What he did was said, I can't curse what God has blessed, but this is what you do. You send your women in there, the, the high priestess of Azariah and their followers of Azariah or Ishtar into the camp and seduce their leadership. And teach them your ways and your ways and follow them. And so, let me tell you about the high priestess of Azariah and, and or the triple goddess, so you understand. Back in ancient pagan days, uh, they would get into a frenzy of sexual orgies in their worship, but by and large, they would get young boys who would gladly self-castrate themselves and become androgynous beings in order like, to be like the gods so these are the type of people that were being sent into the camp. Women and these self-castrated individuals pretending to be women. And they seduced the leadership to follow after Azariah, to follow after paganism, to follow after Satan's throne. So the doctrine of Balaam is a, a prophet who is out for hire. And he teaches... Why well, he can speak great things and swelling words of, about God and, and talk about God and honor him and all that. He, he's explaining to others how to destroy the church, infiltrate it, and bring in false doctrine and teaching. This will get God mad at the children of Israel, so he would have to wipe them out. This will get God mad at the church, so he has to stop the church and wipe the church out to stop this. It's subversion. And teach them to sacrifice things to idols. Idols, uh, wood, stone, and stuff are nothing. They're, but when they're used as conjuring points, and uh, they represent uh, 
demons, like it says in, I can't remember, it's in Deuteronomy, it said, or Exodus, they said they sacrifice not unto idols, but unto demons. That's what they're doing. And so, you know, the Bible talks about doctrines of demons infiltrating the church. Where are they? No one's talking about the doctrines of demons. If you do, you're judgmental. These people have a good heart. Yeah, I'm sure Balaam had a good heart once in a while. And even Balak probably uh, uh, liked his own kids once in a while. And uh, I, I'm sure he, he gave flowers to his wife and stuff and did some nice things. But it um, doesn't matter. The evil's evil. They sacrifice things to idols. You bring in demonic doctrines into the church here. Who, and who, to commit sexual immorality. Not just sexual immorality in its raw sense and raw meaning here, but also as the Bible defines that, uh, that you can fornicate with the world's system. That's adultery. That's fornication with the world. Okay, Love not the world or things in the world, for he who loves the world is, I'm paraphrasing, fornicates with the world. That's in First John there. And that's what he's talking about. That's what the doctrine of Balaam does. Get you to bring in the doctrines of demons to sacrifice the idol and to get your gifts with secret formulas and rituals and what you speak and you can bring about because you have divine God-like power and you can do this. Alice Bailey. Man will enter into his divine heritage and know himself as the son of the father and with all the divine characteristic powers and capacities which are his because of his divine endowment. That is perversion of the scriptures. Do you see it? What else can I say? I'm trying to be very understanding and nice because I understand that people can be deceived. I was deceived about some of this stuff at one time, and now my part of my repentance is to expose it and try to do it in a spirit of love, of my words graciously seasoned with salt, so even the leadership can say, whoops, I got to repent. I got to turn away from this. I got to warn people. I'm teaching stuff wrong. People will respect you when you do that. They won't respect you when they stand before the Lord and find out how deceived you made them and you did not repent. In verse 15, and thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. So let's go look at the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. What is that? Nicolaitans is it's a word that means power over the laity, one who exerts power over the common man, who exploits them for profiteering, okay? Exploits them, takes advantage of them. Um, it's all about a power trip in order you be the high and lofty ones. The doctrine of Nicolaitans also describe a hierarchy system in the church where you have high ones, these are the new ones who will bring a new revelation into the church. will teach a new thing to the church. And you must listen to these high exalted prophets, high exalted apostles, high exalted teachers, high exalted pastors, and high exalted evangelists into the church. Because they all teach the same thing. And the Bible is not adhered to it anymore. And it is replaced. The arguments they use are brought out by Alice Bailey. Dogmas will no longer be regarded as necessary because that is, my friend, is religious. You don't want to be like the religious. We got to revolt against the religious. 
we got to revolt against the, the dogma. The power of the church over the group will be supplanted by the power of the awakened soul in men, the age of miracles and dispensations or arguments. So we will argue that we need signs and wonders and miracles and, and by the super ones. And, and, and you can be like a super one for 1995. You go to the seminar for, for the rest of your life. Another aspect of this type of, of church, and I'll get into this as Thyatira more, is, is, is the realm of prophecy, misusing the gift of prophecy into the umpteenth degree. I'm not going to have time to go into that right now. We'll give way to the understanding of the laws of nature which control the superhuman and supernatural. I swear, I, am, I read similar things in some books. Haven't you? You think I'm making this up? She wrote this stuff way back in the 40s or the 1930s. I can't remember when this was post, her book came out. Man will enter into his divine heritage and know himself as the son of the father with all the divine characteristics, powers, and capacities which are his because of the divine endowment. He didn't say, um, let me tell you, let me, let, me, let me just back up and show you what, 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 what God gives us. He gives us gifts, okay? Spiritual gifts. There are certain gifts that are ours, they're, they're just there. And then there are the power gifts. The power gifts are mentioned in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says the Holy Spirit gives these as the Holy Spirit so wills. It's not brought out by our will. The only one that stays with us is the gift of languages because we need languages of men in order to articulate the things of God and with a clarity and an anointing with power that can change lives. That gift stays with us. But the gift of... Um, of, uh, of words of wisdom, knowledge, uh, faith to remove mountains, so forth, etc. Gifts of healing are belong to the Lord. They come upon you, they lift off. God's glory he will not give to another. They come upon you and they lift off. They come upon you and they lift off. So you cannot glory and say, this is my ministry, this is my anointing, I have a healing anointing. The Holy Spirit has a healing anointing. You're just an empty vessel, and you need to come back to that mentality and say, thank you, Lord, I'm just your vessel. All glory go to you, not to me. I've seen the Lord heal. I've seen him do things. He's healed me. I've seen things. I've witnessed things. I've seen the supernatural realm at work, the real spiritual gifts at work, and they're nothing of what you they're nothing like what you see going on in some churches today, of Pergamum-type churches. Nothing. First off, there are times when I go up someplace, like to the reservation, I am praying for people, and I'm dead tired. I've been preaching three, four days straight, and I'm bleary-eyed, and someone says, I need prayer, and I'm going, I'm so tired. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> I'm so saying this. Oh, they need healing. Oh, Lord. And I ask you to heal them in Jesus' name and walk away, and they come back next night. They're they're healed of whatever it was they came up for. Doctor verified as well, you know. Uh, I didn't heal them. Jesus healed them. I didn't have to conjure up some great faith. I didn't have to grunt and groan and manipulate the laws of nature and, and, and stuff. Oh, I said, Lord, help. This is in your hands. Healing is your thing. If you need to give me the gift of faith to remove mountains, you'll give that to me at the appropriate time. All these are power gifts to bring justice into the world. 
get people out of darkness, out of the enemy's camp, and set them free in the Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 4 way. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, what? To give good news, to speak the languages that people can understand, to give good news to the Christian spirit, to set the captives free, to heal the broken heart, to set the, at liberty those who are oppressed, to open the eyes of the blind, so forth, etc. Give them the oil of joy for happiness, to teach them the righteousness of God and that there's a payback time coming, called recompense. And to teach faithfully the word of God, okay, so that the people will become plantings of righteousness in their own area and they push back darkness and supply how to cherish and nurture, edify. That is the power of the Lord. The other stuff here is not. Theologies will disappear into the knowledge of God. Sounds great. Doctrines and dogmas will no longer be regarded as necessary. In other words, they got to be replaced by the Nicolaitan hierarchy. For faith will be based on experience and authority will give place to personal appreciation of reality. In other words, there'll be a new reality, a supernatural realm. Just plug into it with these five easy steps, okay? The power of the church over the group will be supplanted by the power of the awakened soul. Remember what the Bible says, folks, about this stuff. Beware of those who cause division in the church, who try to supplant things. There'll be an age of miracles and arguments of, of why we need those miracles are going to be made very cleverly. That has happened. Why? So you enter into your divine heritage, know yourself as the son of the father with all his divine characteristics, not his endowment of a power to do a task, but you'll be just like the father because he loves you and, and the love of God. You enter into his universal hum of the universe. If you listen to your leaders in your hierarchy, you will be one with the everyone else. And Alice Bailey goes on the last part. She says, before you reach that, you got to break away from the old established tradition, a, re, a revolt from authority, heather of the church, of dogma and doctrine or theology, a tendency towards self-determination and overthrowing of the old standards. Think real hard. Think real hard about Pergamum. So with that, Revelation chapter 2, verse 16, repent or else I'll come with you quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. If that don't scare the bejeebies out of you, I don't know what will. That that goes right to Revelation chapter 19, folks. That goes right to Revelation chapter 19 when the Lord comes back with his remnant, his saints riding on white horses, and, and battles the Antichrist. That means these people who do not repent are going through the tribulation period, and, they're, and God's going to fight them with the sword of his mouth because you brought Satan's throne in. You became the high and lofty ones. Look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, the, the promise to those who repent. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I'll give some of the hidden manna to eat. Stop right there. The hidden manna. What is the hidden manna? The hidden manna is the Word of God. These people are all about secret revelations and revelations and stuff. But he's saying, I'm going to give you the hidden, I'm going to, I'll give you the real deal the real manna of the word. If you stick with the word of God, I'll show you how it works. I'll put it together for you. I'll show you how it works. You're not going to cherry pick verses anymore. You're going to devour and slowly eat the, the bread of life. That's a great promise. Sounds great, doesn't it? And I'll give him a white stone and on the stone, a new name. 
The word name always refers to a character. I'm giving you a new character trait to reflect the love of God. Okay? Which no one knows except him who receives it. A white stone reflecting pure, uh, uh, purity of thought and deed. And that you are now of the elect. What does all this mean? A new character. A character that will cherish, and nurture, take care of, guide, train, explain things, reason with, helps, teaches, comes alongside to aid, equips, helps equip people to be strong in the word with the new manna, helps to provide, will also chasten and reprove or expose the darkness and calls people back to the Lord. In other words, they will love God with all their heart, strength, and soul and being and love their neighbor as their selves folks well that's what i'm talking about here and we got to realize that anyone and everyone can be deceived let him thinks he stands take heed lest he fall the book of proverbs says or the psalms i can't remember take it from somebody who was once high-minded when i was a young christian and I fell into some of this stuff. And, and then I got into the Word. I was devouring the Word, doing Greek and Hebrew studies that I was required to do. And um, then I found out this doesn't, what I was being taught in the church here, the shepherding discipleship movement stuff, was not kosher. It was, it was not legit. Because the, the Word of God, the grammar, the text, everything, you know, you're taking verses out of context. I get in trouble, go to the Inquisition board, so forth, et cetera. So I learned early on, I learned it from my dad. If you do something wrong, uh, you admit to it, owe up to it, and uh, renounce it publicly, okay? <laughs> and those words stuck to me. My dad was a Christian man, you know. I didn't become a Christian until <laughs> in 1980. But anyway, what can I say? Wish I would have listened to him sooner. And uh, even though my parents witnessed to me and so forth, I won't get into all that, but I'm just saying. Um, people will respect you. If you're in one of these groups and you're in leadership in here, I beg you to prove me wrong about Alice Bailey. Prove me wrong about William Branham. Really check it out. Really do your own research and come up with your own conclusions. And really, really think of some of these other teachers. And if you are one of these other teachers, you have a chance to repent. The promise is really good. <laughs> God's not going to fight against you with a sword of his mouth. Okay, and you'll give them hidden manna. You'll give them, in other words, you can get not secret revelation, but real revelation that will feed and nurture and edify other people. And will give him a white stone, a, a sense of purity that you've been forgiven. And on that new stone is a your character traits of love, joy, peace, the fruit of the spirit, how to all about agape, love, to cherish, nurture, edify, build up help, lead, reason, so forth, etc. Great promise. I'm going to go back to Revelations 2, verse 12 and 13, out of the New King James, with word meanings applied. And to the messenger, angel of the church in Pergamum, the high lofty citadel, or the high lofty ones in the citadel, these things say he, he who has a sharp edge, two-edged sword. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about a sharp edge, two-edged sword that cuts asunder the division of the heart, soul, and mind, all that. 
It exposes the true thoughts and intents of the heart. And to the angel of the church of Pergamos, you high lofty ones, hidden in your fortress citadel, smug ones, these things says he who has a sharp two-edged sword. I know your works, where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast and did, did not deny my faith even in the days with Antipas, meaning the one like the father who was against the haughty was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells, or the adversary dwells. These people had a love for God that's unbelievable. And it brought down the high, lofty citadel. Look at verse 14. But I have a few things against you because there are you have those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. Repent or else I'll come to you and quickly fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I'll give him some of the hidden manna to eat. I'll give him a white stone, and on that stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Folks, the world's plunging into darkness for a reason. The Ephesus group of people and the Pergamum kind of explain why that's happened. You let the ball down. You bring in the culture and the world into the church and the ways of the occult world passing it off as the real deal when it ain't. The devil himself was going to use signs and wonders. This is a setup. In military parlance or military speaking, this is a very clever strategy going on here to get people off into things so God would have to punish you and so uh, he'll speak against you with a sword of his mouth at the book of Revelations at the, at the end of the tribulation and fight against you. It tells me a lot of these people are not going to repent and they are going to go right on and thinking that uh, they're going to follow the Antichrist, thinking that he's Jesus. Amazing because of the signs and wonders. Uh, they're real signs and wonders. I've seen deaf ear. I've seen hearing aids literally pop out of somebody's ear. I've seen uh, amputated toe pop back on somebody's foot. I've seen the Lord heal cancer patients. I hear, saw, saw, saw him say no to certain things for reasons unknown to me. I, I've seen things, and the Lord is using me in some of these areas as well. And I have not even not I have not stopped seeing true miracles of God. From happening i have not stopped seeing them and i'm tired i'm burnt out i'm hurt I've, i'm oppressed by what's going on in the world and so people want prayer i'm praying heartily like oh and so i got a call from a friend up in the reservation who needed prayer they asked me what do you see i'm going oh my god i'm so tired what do i know <laughs> so I prayed and I, I saw a big thing on the back of the person's shoulder. So I prayed and I wrote him back, you know, I saw an ant on there. How do you feel now? My wife and I have been praying for you. I said, it's gone, brother. It's gone. It left me. And it says, well, yeah, it was pinching your neck. It's a lot of stress and it's about ready to destroy you. And they got set free of it. So I've seen God do quite, quite some amazing things, no matter how tired I am, because it's not me who does it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about it's the Spirit of God who gives the gifts individually as He wills, not on demand as you will, as you've been taught to do. 
which the Alice Bailey teaches. After all, it calls you children of God, sons of gods and daughters of gods, so you must be one too. Sorry, you're a human being, you're a created being. And you. And the Bible is very clear, we are sons and daughters by adoption. Hallelujah, thank God for that. Not biological. Think about it. There's a big difference between sons and daughters through the adoption. And have, you know, we have authority as a believer. We can cast out demons. We can fight. There's those endowments God gave us because we are believers. We have to have these. And we have to do spiritual warfare. And we have to fight. I go to TJ Maxx to return something. Husbands are always returning things. <laughs> and so I'm going to return this. And there was a person out there walking back and forth, yelling and screaming and walking toward people entering in there and cussing. And and a, a demonic spirit was all around him. I felt evil. And I, and I go, you know, Lord, I am not, I'm not going. I'm not going in the store. I can't. And so I just prayed, protect this building, protect these people going in, get this person out of here. I got in my car and I left. And found out later that he was chased off there, thankfully. Hallelujah. And left. And that's the world we live in, folks. And you never know. Because the church no longer is the church. And it tolerates being legalistic, browbeating thugs, or it uh, invites these uh, doctrines of demons into the church and pass them off. So the church becomes a segment of the church called Pergamum type people become high and lofty ones who have a hierarchy and hoops to jump through. I hope this didn't offend people, but if it did, well, I'm sorry. But I'm asking you to do your own research because that's the only way you'll be free. The Lord will lead you. He will teach you. I guarantee you. Heavenly Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you will use this message to get out there and help people get away from this stuff that has infiltrated the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, that's it, folks. And um, just remember, folks, that censorship is real. So that's why you need to consider joining websites like Josh Peck's Daily Renegade or others that are out there, as well as uh, looking for church that's, for churches that have live streams from the true watchmen of the church that will warn you of things to come and teach you sound doctrine, especially in this time period. And if you like, as I always say, if you if you like to support what I do, just look on the screen. My contact information is there. So I always solicit people's prayers. And if you like to support what I do, please pray for me and consider helping me out to keep my channel going as well as keep making videos and other things. You guys be blessed in Jesus' name. God bless you all. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.